Hello and welcome to Personal Threads. A podcast where we go behind the seams of the joy of dressing up. Brought to you by Ascot Racecourse, where we uncover how moments and memories from our past can inform our personal style. Each week, a new guest renowned for their chic and unique dress sense will take us on a voyage through their life and personal style, stopping at moments, memories, items or people who have influenced and sewn together our guests' very individual taste. Whether you're donning your finest for Royal Ascot or wrapping up in tweed for the jump season, sartorial elegance and style is in the very fabric of Ascot Racecourse. Allow us to introduce ourselves. I'm Susan Bender-Whitfield, a creative director, stylist and contributing editor to British Vogue. Hello, I am Scott Wimsett, a fashion industry commentator and consultant. My career in digital and broadcast has spanned almost 20 years from presenting for MTV and Vogue TV as a presenter and director. Now, I've been so looking forward to our next guest to shake things up a little bit here on Personal Threads and offer a really modern take on contemporary style, gender fluidity and a glimpse into a wardrobe that will make you sparkle your diamonds and polish your pearls. Carl Duvall is a model, stylist, fashion designer and social commentator. Known first and foremost for his work as a celebrity stylist, Carl has worked with the likes of Cara Delevingne, Bruno Mars, Maya Jammer, Rita Ora, Andrea Pejic, Munro Bergdorf, Anne-Marie and many many others. An impressive black book of the fashion world's glitterati. Shooting to social media fame with his powerful social channels now almost 100,000 followers on Instagram alone, Carl is in high demand by many brands offering his personal and relevant take on style for a world reborn. As a model, Carl has appeared in campaigns for fashion icon Jean-Paul Gaultier. I loved you so much in that campaign. Uh, Google, View Eyewear, Wandler, and is a regular on the catwalk for designers like Pam Hogg, Oliver Spencer and De La Valle at London Fashion Week. Carl has also appeared in two campaigns for Misguided in 2020, making him the first gender non-conforming model used by the brand. Carl is very vocal about his childhood experiences growing up in the UK care system as well as the cultural inspirations of his home suburb of Notting Hill. Using his profile, he has founded the Courage for Kids and Equality podcast, which is a platform focusing on supporting and inspiring teens of the LGBTQIA plus community. And this is our exciting podcast date with you. How are you, darling? How lovely to have you with us. Thank you for having me. That sounds so nice to hear it all written down. I'm like, oh, I've done quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. You've been a busy boy. Busy. Boy's done good. Welcome and thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you for Kyle. having me. Let's start at the beginning. So you're a style chameleon and you transform yourself into many guises. How do you define your aesthetic and where does that inspiration come from to conjure up these magnificent creations? It goes a lot from a feeling and how I feel that day because, you know, I personally believe that masculinity and femininity are attributes. They shouldn't be attached to gender. Mm -hmm. So some days I wake up in the morning, I have both like masculine and feminine energies within me. Mm -hmm. So some mornings I wake up and I want to put on a tracksuit. Other days I wake up and I want to put on a dress. And I don't know, I'm also the queen of references. I love a reference. I think like, especially I'm a stylist, as well. I feel like you're not a stylist unless you know your references. Yes. So I like take loads of references from like the 90s and the 80s, a lot of 70s. But yeah, it just changes. I go off an energy. Mm-hmm. So as they say, you are what you were. So what would you say your style says about you? Um, what would I say my style? <laughs> I, because it changes. You Literally, you are a chameleon. It really does. I get bored as well really easily. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like I said, I go off a feeling how I feel that day. 
so I'd say that I'm very eclectic. My style mm. would be eclectic, for sure. If you had to choose three words to describe your style, what would they be? Eclectic would be one of them. Eclectic... Mm, luxury. Mm-hmm. We like. We like. She's expensive. She likes. She's expensive. I like the <laughs> high end bits. I do. Um, but then also, I'd say I have got like a street lux element mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Eclectic, expensive street lux. Nice. Yeah. Slips yeah, another one in. That's yeah. a good one. Well, we're 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 double barrel. It's hyphenated. Street lux. So during your childhood, were there any characters that really stood out that? really informed who you were from a style perspective. I mean, they can be, you saw in the movies or in your family. Was there someone there One, that was literally, that was the... 100 percent My birth person. mother, who yes. like I was with until I was like 11, she had a huge impact on me. She was very into her fashion. And I always remember watching her get ready and like putting on her red lipstick. Mm-hmm. And the smell, I find the smell of Oil of Oulet mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Chanel Number no. 5 really nostalgic because that's what mm-hmm. she'd smell like when she left the house. She used to mm-hmm. wear like floor-length fur jackets and she was always in a pair of heels. Wow. So I think initially that's where Mm. the glamour came from within me. And then obviously people like David Bowie, I've always looked up to my whole entire life. Mm. I'm really into feminine men. Mm. I'm really inspired by feminine men within the industry, for sure. Do you think that came before you actually defined your sexuality? 100%. 100%. Because if I look back to like images of me when I was 13, obviously I wasn't having sex at 13. So I remember like I had like acrylic nails and like I'd have weaves and I was just so experimental when it came to fashion. So I don't think, yeah, I think that it just came naturally. And when you're saying experimental in regards to fashion, because I think that that is where the creative energy starts, For isn't sure. it? You know, understanding and how to put a look together, how to build a final look. So it might have started with the nails and then the sort of hair and then some kind of outfit. But how did you understand to how to marry it all together? I mean, it takes practice for sure. Like I've had some looks that I look back and I'm like, oh my God, honey, what were you <laughs> thinking, babe? I think it's just really knowing who you are as a person and really learning what works for you and what makes you feel great. Mm-hmm. I think so many of us dress for other people Mm -hmm. and I think it's just really important that you click into that and you start dressing for yourself Mm -hmm. because the moment that happens it's like the world just opens up for me it was like a journey of three stages I say because I feel like when I was in my teens I was so at one with who I was and like experimental and like then I became a young adult and I joined the fashion industry and I Mm. felt like I stripped that back because I felt like I had to be somebody mm. to be taken seriously. Because yeah. I found that when I went on like... So slightly set, compromised. Of course, mm. like a compromise also for clients and stuff. I was working with really famous clients and I think mm. there's an element there that you're not the star. Do you yes. know what I mean? And so it could be quite intimidating because I've right. had that as well. People are like... Susan, don't be just Susan because sometimes you can intimidate people with right. the way you dress. Exactly. So you have to And it's just a second it nature to you. Like yes. you don't even think, oh, I'm going to offend someone or think who does she think she is. Mm, Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So there was an element of that. So for the longest time, I was just... Diluting. Quite, diluting and repressing mm. myself, you know. And then a situation yeah. happened and it just made me realise that I am my biggest supporter and mm. I need to push and front myself. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I like, love yes. And I asked myself, I was like, why don't I get dressed in the morning? Who am I dressing for? Yes. Because it's not for me. It's for society. And yes. like, society aren't paying my bills. Society yes. aren't picking me up off the ground when I'm sad. Yes. So let me make myself happy. So then it was like a 360 and then mm. I was back to how I feel now, how I am now, just wearing yeah. whatever the hell I want to wear. But I did actually notice that change within you, actually mm. seeing images you before and then all of a sudden it was like, you became a, an exotic an bird. exotic bird, just like with these <laughs> beautiful wings. Like yeah, literally. <laughs> That's you what it felt like. But it was 
it wasn't as if you wanted people to notice you. It was just owning your power. Right. And it came really came across as that as well. Mm-hmm. And it was such a beautiful thing to see. It really oh, was. Thank you. Really I appreciate was. That. But yeah, it was literally like that. It was over the stage of a night. I was just like, yes. I'm just gonna do me. Yeah. And to be honest, I've never been happier and more successful in my whole entire life. So it, and it obviously and it, means something. It absolutely Definitely. does. And you didn't look back at that point because no. obviously like you say, you found your inner purpose, your true expression. But then like mm. you say, you're stepping out and then dealing with the general public and comments from people and whatever. But what what was the strength and discipline that you were saying to yourself, no, I'm I'm going to do this. This is the real me. Do you know, I think it all stems back to childhood. Mm-hmm. And like as a child, I went through a lot of trauma mm. and I spent a lot of time on my own. And I experienced a lot of what I would say, loneliness. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of came to the conclusion that I don't want to be back in that place ever again right and I get so much happiness out of expressing myself through fashion and through makeup and through hair Mm. I kind of just see myself as walking art sometimes you know what I mean like oh I'm going to do that today so it was more just me within myself being like no, we're going to do this. I am my own number one fan, 100%. I really am. Like, some days I'll be almost kind of like, you killed that. Like, yeah, yeah. Amazing. But if you, you have can't to champion be. yourself, you cannot expect other people to exactly. do that for you. You've got to exactly. do it for yourself. And just going back to your childhood, what was your earliest style memory oh my that God, my, you had? My earliest style memory <laughs> was probably... When Eminem came out, do you remember when he was like Slim Shady? Yeah. And I literally went to Boots and bought like a home bleach (laughs) kit. And I remember I shaved off all my hair and I bleached my hair. And I thought it was amazing. But looking back now, it was like orange and yellow. (laughs) A bit patchy. Yeah, it was so patchy. I think I had like pups in the back. But at the moment in time, I thought it was great. And did you actually like dress like some shady yeah, as well. Yeah, for sure. I had like the, the white vest, vest, the baggy jeans. I really went for it. I was obsessed. I was, <laughs> so I'd say that's probably one of my most moments when I was like, I actually went for it look-wise. Yeah. And then going from that look to then maybe remembering something that was a significant event, like a friend's party or a family gathering or whatever, where you know that everyone was kind of looking at what you were wearing. Do you remember something like that? I mean, to be honest, that was kind of my whole teenage my mm-hmm. whole teenage years because mm-hmm. it was like I grew up in Leopard Grove mm-hmm. on a council estate so obviously I was like one in a million so growing up on the estate when I see the boys from the hood now and I bump mm. into them they say you know when they looked at me when we were children they all had a lot of respect for me because I just didn't really care about what mm. anybody thought about me and I still don't but I still to this day now if I walk down central London someone will feel the need to say something to me mm-hmm. do you know what I mean but all that does for me is just cement that what I'm doing is right yeah, do you know what I mean because if I'm causing so. you enough stress to feel like you need to actually verbally then you know, you're tell doing me how you feel right. I'm doing something yeah, right I, I say that so to I've kind of had those my whole entire Lord, life yeah if you don't get a reaction, then you're doing something wrong. But right. if you get a reaction, whether it's good or bad, then you're doing something 100%. right. But I think growing up in West London, because I grew up in Lambert Grove as well, I think it's a melting pot for you to really be is. whoever you are. It no really one is, is shocked if you run down the street wearing streamers attached to no, your literally. body and nothing else. <laughs> so or true. you can wear a pink ball gown, anything. And I think it has that culture of 100%. the melting pot of class, of, of different cultures and Racing, everything. Yeah, and also sure. we have the carnival. Mm-hmm. So I mean, mm-hmm. that's the moment where everyone mm-hmm. dresses up and looks but fantastic I, I and whatever they want. Yeah, roll on this year. I'm so excited. It's so exciting. <laughs> where would you have been buying your clothes from? So I used to vintage, when I first started buying my own clothes, it was vintage always. I used to love mm. going down Brick Lane. Even Portobello. Portobello was so different back oh in the God. day. Like now you go there and it's expensive and like yeah. they're charging yeah. like £100 for a leather coat. Yeah, but like, like it's vintage and like, uh, that's only five years old and Literally, it's not really vintage. it's not really vintage, hon. <laughs> 
but like I used to get a lot of stuff from Portobello and like charity yeah. shops. I didn't have any money back in the day, but yeah. I still made it work. Like I used to get like fur coats for twenty quid on yes, Portobello Road could. and stuff like that. I'd buy them in the summer because then they were always cheaper. yeah, exactly. Because they wanted to get them off the stores <laughs> exactly, and they used to smell as well. That's the worst thing; they used to always stink. But I didn't mind. I was just, like douse it in perfume. <laughs> so, like markets, well, yeah, like, spritz it. Charlie Red, I think I used to wear then. <laughs> oh my god, that's brilliant, Charlie Red. That's hilarious. And from there, what's the next stop on your style journey? From your teen years to actually being a young adult? I kind of went through a phase of uh, tailoring mm. for a while. I really was into tailoring. I was quite androgynous and I mm. found that that was my way of like being on that fine line. Yeah. But still trying on eggshells because I didn't want to offend anyone. Yeah, because I would always see you'd wear maybe heels or with something a zoom, with a suit yeah. or you'd wear nothing underneath. Yeah, exactly. With just the jacket and whatever. And I'm like, oh, that's a good exactly. look. But it was, you were in between for on sure. either side. And then I was like, for the longest time, and I was like, because there's so many different options nowadays, like mm. you can be non-binary mm-hmm. or like trans stuff. I think people get very confused. Mm-hmm. And I think for the longest time, I was so focused on being like, you know, no, I'm androgynous, I'm androgynous. So I think that's why I was so scared of pushing the boundaries. And I'd always, like you said, I'd get like femininity from a shoe or like I'd put an eye on or something. I think from that, it then elevated to being like, okay, no, we're going to do more. We can push this more. And then I moved on to dresses and stuff like that. The thing is, I've always worn dresses like since I was a teen, but not in the capacity that I am now in the sense of at the forefront. Mm. It was more like, oh, I'll just put a dress to go for like drinks with a friend or Mm. something. So talk talk me through that moment, that first time of maybe putting on a a dress. Uh, Well, my God, I can probably like the first time I put on a dress would have been like five. Mm. Possibly like dressing up in my mum's clothes. But that power in a dress is the whole reason why I am really championing it because yes. I'm like, I want everyone to feel that. Mm. And clothes are man-made objects. And mm. it was like somebody's choice and decision at the time to say that was for a man and that's a woman. And that mm. person's probably dead right now. And people yeah. are still sticking to those outdated views. Mm. Yes. So I just feel that it's now become my, I mean, I do look bloody good in a dress as oh well. God, but you do, <laughs> those legs. You do. I, I remember you at the Vogue party with Tiffany this oh, year. You looked and I was amazing like, though, that like David that dress, Coma, babe. That you dress looked, is so good. No, but you look fantastic. Oh, thank I was you, like, my love. Wow, breathtaking. And I think it's just that reaction as well that I get from people when it's like, oh my God, you look so... I know that there's a little thing in their mind that goes... Oh, okay. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? It's rewiring. Like, yeah, exactly. Yes. Like a rewiring. So I'm like, do you know what? This is actually making a difference mm-hmm. and I enjoy it. And it's art. It's exciting, isn't it? We're suddenly, yes. there's a line in the sand. For and sure. it's like mm. talents like yourself who are really stepping over boldly and just saying, can we just explore this? Can we just have mm. a little bit more fun? Take it really this seriously. It's really not that deep. Like, yeah. it's really not that deep. People put so much pressure on mm-hmm. like clothing and dresses and like this is for guys and this is for girls and it's Mm. like dude it's really not that deep if you look at history and stuff like heels were initially invented for men for the Spanish Armada to keep their boots in their stirrups there's all this history like some religions men wear dresses yes exactly and that still exists in the culture exactly Exactly. when men and women get christened they wear dresses christened robes exactly It's like so double-sided. I feel like Mm. it's like double standards when it comes to it. Mm. So you have a real understanding of your impact. And I guess from that, as a stylist, where do you go for style advice? Where do I? That is such a good question, actually. I mean, friends. Friends. I'm always trying things on at home and sending people pictures. and be like, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Mm. But I also do trust myself. And I work bloody hard to have the body that I have. So I know it looks <laughs> good. I'm like, I'm and what is that, wor- is that working out? Is it diet? Working is it- out. Working out and diet, for sure. Mm. But I eat whatever I want and I just 
like work out. go back. Yes. Self love for them. When you look and feel amazing, it mm. radiates. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And there's nothing better or authentic than that. Exactly. It really helps with whatever you're wearing. If that embodiment of who you are always comes out. 100%. Yeah, and it's just feeling comfortable and just being real. And You can it, see it, when someone's like, such a stylist, you understand it. It's like you can see when someone doesn't feel comfortable in their outfit. Yeah. They can look amazing, a million mm. bucks, mm-hmm. and then as soon as they move and talk or walk, like you yeah. just know that they don't feel right in yeah. their and outfit. And what, what, in that process as stylists here, because I'm not, what's gone wrong? What has happened that they're actually so styled that yeah. it's actually just a look, but they're not enjoying it's it? It's not theirs. Like someone's pushed... Well, yes. I don't work like that as a stylist. Yeah. Like, I'll have my... What's the process? So I pull in loads of options. Mm. You speak to the client first, see what they're after, but most of my clients come to me for my aesthetic. Mm. So I'll pull in loads of stuff, and then we have a fitting and I'll say, oh, I prefer that. I prefer that. Mm-hmm. But for instance, like Maya, who mm. I work with quite a bit, I love Maya's bits, but she's so headstrong. She knows yes. exactly what she wants, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? So I pull her all these looks and I'll be like, I really like that one. And she's like, nope, I want that one. <laughs> no, I want that. And I love that. I love that because I know when she puts on that dress, she's mm. going to walk down that red she's carpet and she's going to feel it. Yeah. And the pictures are going to be amazing and she's yeah. going to look amazing. So what about the with the people that don't have that? perception and idea of who they are they come to you for style advice or to style them and they're utterly clueless how does that work if i'm going to be honest it never works out no. when it's like that <laughs> honestly it doesn't i've had many clients that have come to me and like yeah. we're in the studio and they're like oh but i don't really like that i don't really like that and i've just been like i don't think i'm a stylist for you then yeah mm. it just doesn't work out because i don't want to force someone to wear something that I think looks great on them because it just shows that they're not comfortable in that. And I don't think that's style. That's mm. me putting on you what you want to wear. Right. Like hiring me as a stylist saying, how is it just to work. elevate what you already have. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And when you talk about your style aesthetic, what is that if people are coming to you? Glamour, for a... darling. Glamour. glamour. It is. Expensive. It's <laughs> unadulterated glamour. Unforgiving. And it is what it is. And it's beautiful. It. But when you style, do you style as how... Kyle perceives it or you separate your style aesthetic who you are what you would wear and dial into who that person is yeah definitely separate it yeah also I know you know the industry is so small and there's only a limited mm. amount of number of samples so I'm yeah. like okay no I'm going to wear that dress so I'm not even going to put that dress out there on the rail <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to so put that, that one's dress for out me. Yeah, that's for me <laughs> and there's a rack down there for you basically basically. basically. that way of thinking it's very honest <laughs> when we were talking to you about where do you go for style advice and you were talking about sending images of pieces to friends and saying what do you think like who are those people that you would go to and I guess whose sort of style in your orbit do you tap into regularly and think you constantly blow me away? Well, one of my best friends, Damon Baker, I find him so inspiring because he has such an aesthetic. He is like leather, punk, rock and roll, and it's like every day, sun, winter, or snow. He's like that. So I really look up to him for his style. That's a real discipline. Mm. Literally, yeah. such a discipline. I'm like, do you want to wear a bit of colour today? And he's like, nope, never. Yeah. So I do envy people that have that because mm. I'm like, if you open my wardrobe, loads of friends come over and be like, your wardrobe looks like fancy dress. Everything just kind of jumps out at you because everything's so different. But yeah. it just changes on a daily basis. So I can't stick it's to a one fun thing. dressing up yeah. box. So who it else? Is. Who are these other people that you. Tony, I really like DJ Fat Tony. Yeah. He always asks us because he's been through it. He's done every look. He's what I call the original doll because Tony was running around London in a dress in heels like yes. in the well, 80s. Back in the day yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. Really? I just and like now he's like so much. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, see, it does change. So him, I'll always ask him, I'm like, try to wear this, babe. He's like, yeah, gorgeous. Love that. Love that. Put that on. Like, so Tony as well, for sure. My close friend circle is quite small. And then also, most of the time, I'm like, I don't want anyone to know what I'm wearing so I'm not going to ask anyone else for advice. I'm quite secretive. 
Yes. I am with my look, especially if it's for like a carpet or something. I'm quite yeah. secretive. So if you're being that secretive, we've got a question for that. So you've got a very clever way of communicating this really progressive way of using fashion and style as a vehicle to express how you feel about yourself, irrelevant of whether that piece was intended for men or for women. And there's a real sense of playfulness and performance that comes with your style. So yes. talk us through that process. Say, for example, we're going to this event or whatever it is, like, and you open up the wardrobe and you're building it. Like, mm. what is that process for Kyle? So I never, ever listen to the dress code dress code ever like <laughs> the, whenever, ever. ever whenever i see a smart casual i'm like what does that even mean, mean yeah. what does it mean like smart casual boring i don't even do smart casual in the day it's boring so mm. i just think okay so everyone's gonna dress really boring so what mm. can i wear that's not gonna be boring and that's gonna make me stand out from everyone that's how it starts yeah. then i usually pick the outfit and then i think about hair and makeup after yeah so what about off. if it's so royal ascot and there is a so I've been very thinking about this. precise dress code. I think I'd go like Bianca Jagger vibe, white nice. suit and big white hat. Yeah, yes. classic again with the references. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. References are so important. They're so important. If you don't know your history of fashion, because then you're going to think, oh, I've put this look together and I'm the original person that's done it. And it's like, yeah. no, babe, everyone's done everything. Yeah. So if you're going to do it, do it properly and know your yes. references. Yeah, I agree with you. So what do you think you're like as a stylist to work with? Um, rude. <laughs> no, no, I'm just very opinionated. Like, opinionated, yeah, opinionated. I just think that I don't understand the people that hire a stylist, and then you're like, no, don't but I think advice. I should wear this yeah. and I should wear that, and you don't take the advice because it's like, okay, they're not needed to be here. Yeah, well, that's what you're paying me for. That's what you're paying exactly. Me for. A client once said to me very early on in my career, she said, "I'm not paying you to agree with me." I'm paying you to give me your opinions and challenge me. And I was like, yes, I like you. So now when I work with people, I'm like, do you want me to say what you want me to hear or do you want my honest opinion? And when they say yes, I'm like that and I just go in because that's what we're paid for. And it's like, why are we here? And create something unexpected. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you've obviously dressed all sorts of fabulous boys and girls <laughs> over the years. And I guess I'm interested in what keeps them coming back for more because a lot of them are good mates. And mm-hmm. so there's a sort of a personal trust in that design. They're all just process. so cheap. They just come back for the mates rates. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, he's a good option. They're like, oh, Kyle doing mates rates. We'll go see Kyle. Like, yeah, no. Um, because a lot know. of them are stepping out and it's being photographed and they're forever images. They're archived. 100%. So it's like that trust in their career build and their visual aesthetic and how they're communicating that to their fan base and just moving their brand forward. Mm. That's a big responsibility. I think it's just because I deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I deliver and they're happy. So then they come back. Yeah. Also, I treat every single person on this planet exactly the same. I think that's very important. Yeah. Doesn't matter what you've achieved or how much money you have or how cool you think you are. Like, mm. I need to I treat like everyone that. exactly the same. Mm. So I think maybe that might be key to it. We're all human. We all do exactly the same stuff on a daily mm-hmm. basis. That's good. That's having integrity, though. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think people respect that. And then that's probably why they come back. Mm-hmm. Yes, without mm-hmm. a doubt. And as Scott has said, you've been styling everyone and anyone for many years. How do you feel when you're on a photo shoot or a campaign when someone else styles you? It's... It's <laughs> <laughs> like the shoe on the other foot. Genius question. <laughs> I'm never happy. I'm no. never happy, ever. Like I don't know, I think that's because of the stylist in me. I'm just always like, yeah, but that could have just had that. 
on it and that could have had that on it. But yeah, I just shut my mouth. Really? But inside, yeah. I am very like, and makeup as well. I'm so funny about how my makeup is done. Yeah. Because I've got one eye that's different to the other. Yeah. So you need to balance that yeah. out and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. like, I constantly on photo shoots, always go into the bathroom and I'm always like, but a lot, of those, makeup, a lot yeah. of those big I think Naomi was the same when she first started out she'd go in and the stylist would have a rack and she'd go nope nope that won't work yeah. maybe rip the skirt off that like she knew so you do yeah, know for sure. what's going to work for you so actually being in the driving seat sometimes with that and actually having that real not a zero tolerance it's all a creative process mm. but sort of saying that won't work for me can I just do my own eye mm -hmm. or, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. I think that that's all okay but sometimes it's a bit hard when you're a stylist because we've been on the other side of that as well and when someone comes in it's like no I went with that and know about that and know about that and it's just like yeah come on please work with me and we're you know, all here I think to it's, work yeah, yeah I think it's an approach I mean and that's why I always keep my mouth shut because I never want to make someone feel like because regardless yeah. there's so much prep for a stylist like the stylist for me is the hardest working person on the, mm. on the on yeah. set because yeah. A we've got to return all that stuff as well mm. not saying the makeup artists and the hair stylists aren't, don't have to log around loads of stuff because they do but mm. it's their kids we've got to get rid of it all after yeah. and like we've had to choose it all first of all select it fight to get it. those moves. yeah <laughs> so like when someone then comes along and he's all over that yeah it's kind it of pieces. yeah a bit disheartening so yeah. i wouldn't do that to someone else no. i keep my mouth shut but internally i'm probably like yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i usually i'm being so i'm like can you send me the selection of what they're... <laughs> can I see what I'm wearing? Can I just see what I'm wearing beforehand? And I'll be like, that's that. good. That's Think about good. how I can rework it. <laughs> Why have I got that self-styling with this? <laughs> For sure. Moving into Instagram. Obviously, yeah. it's got many sins, but many positives mm -hmm. as well. And I think especially for how you express yourself within your channels, you are knocking out some unbelievably amazing looks. And Thank I think, you. you know, you read through the comments as you do and you scroll through and it's so positive. What's your relationship like with Instagram? Is it sort of really frank, honest response to yeah, it? Yeah, so I'm just really open on my Instagram. I just post what I want. I know that a lot of people go to my Instagram for inspiration mm -hmm. and just like save on their mood boards and stuff. So I love sharing that with the world. Mm -hmm. and giving them a chance to do that. My Instagram is definitely a place of positivity, so no negativity is accepted on my page. Yes. I used to just delete all the negative comments like as soon as they come up. Now of recent, I've started to reply to people mm. because they're just exasperating sometimes. Yeah. So I reply to people, obviously with like witty, respectful answers, mm. but I drag them. And um, <laughs> because the worst thing is if I just like put the comment up on my story and then everyone else just comments and drags them as well which yeah. is quite fun but yeah I think Instagram's such a double-edged sword because mm. it's like there is so much great to come out of it we're also connected the world mm. is at our fingertips mm -hmm. but then it also gives a lot of homophobic and misogynists yeah. a chance to have a voice as well mm. so yeah I don't know Instagram I'm on the fence with how I feel about it Can you share your thoughts about how you perceive the future of fashion and especially with gender fluidity and non-binary expression. I mean, I think it's very bright, to be honest. I'm really excited for the future. I think the newer generation of designers, like gender's just not an issue and it doesn't come mm. into conversation, which I love. Mm. Sexuality isn't an issue. It doesn't come into conversation. It's just literally about the fashion and the form and how mm. the clothes fit, which I find very exciting. I think the newer generation are bringing a fun modern fresh take into fashion mm. slowly i mean it's happening slowly but i'm excited for the future for sure yeah. it's definitely happening isn't it yeah, it's tangible yeah. and it's really exciting so carla i know you've been immensely busy recently can you just give a little bit of flavor of what you've been working on recently what am i currently doing at the moment to look forward to. well i'm 
Oh, I can't even talk about that though. Um, well done. <laughs> well, you did the John Paul Gaultier campaign. Tell us yeah, about that. So which I was just incredible. was so good. So I'm what they call a fragrance ambassador for JPG. Yes. So I do their social campaigns. Right. So we recently just shot for their new Lamal fragrance. We shot in Ischia, which was amazing in this like beautiful botanical garden. Mm. It was just the dream. It was so lovely. Like honestly, they are the loveliest team to work with. Mm. They make you feel so, like, they make you feel like you're part of a family, which I love. It doesn't feel like work. They are the dream. And they were at the forefront of gender fluidity as well. From day day one. one. From literally from day one, John Paul Gaultier was always an inspiration. So it's actually a dream that I get to work with them. And did you have a stylist on that? Yes, I did. But I know the stylist really well. (laughs) So she looked after me. Like, which I made sure. There's a shorthand with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was like, babe, I was like, have I got a good outfit? And she was like, yeah, yeah, I've sorted you out. So I was happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got some quick fire questions for you. Let's go. Thigh high split or mini? Mini. Platform or killer stiletto? Killer stiletto. <laughs> no, I didn't even have to think about <laughs> it. Exactly. Straight in there. <laughs> Tracksuit or jumpsuit? Tracksuit. Bikini or one piece? Bikini. Nice. Cat eye flick or lashes? Ooh. Cat eye flick. Great. I like that. Instagram or TikTok? Instagram. Red carpet or TV supper? TV supper. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think you were going to say that. Doggy or moggy? Doggy. Portobello or Paris? Oh, that's tough. (laughs) Paris. Really? Paris. Mm, Paris. Mm, yeah, I spend a lot of time on Portobello. I spent so much time on Portobello. Let's switch up Paris. <laughs> okay, karaoke club or dance club? Oh my God, karaoke for sure. I have a karaoke machine in my living room. Nice. Yeah, nice. I love karaoke. I think everyone should have one. Long skirt or leggings? Leggings. Tattoo or taboo? Taboo. <laughs> Oh, nice. <laughs> what sort of designers at the moment are really doing it for you? You look at their aesthetic and you just think, like, actually, you've got a lens on the future. I mean, anything that like Glenn Martins is touching at the moment, I'm obsessed mm. with. Like what he's done with Diesel and what he did with Jean-Paul Gaultier. Yeah. I'm obsessed with, who else am I really loving at the moment? I love David Coma. I love Monot, that French brand. I think there's some really, really great pieces out there right now. Yeah. What's the oldest item that you have in your wardrobe? Oh, I have this lace. It's like a really fine Italian lace cap sleeve, high neck top. Mm. And it belonged. So my foster mother, Matilda, used to look after this old lady called Miss Pashoski. Miss Pashoski. And she yeah. grew up in Vienna and stuff. So yes. she had the most gorgeous pieces ever. So it was one of hers. Yes. And it was this lace piece. And I think that's from the 1930s. Mm. and it's gorgeous I've stopped wearing it because it started to rip on the seams I was like okay I'm not going to wear it anymore Yeah, but yeah she had some gorgeous things and it's definitely most of her shoes were like really really fine and pointed in the front Yes, and it was the fashion the boob job of the 30s was to get your index toe removed so she didn't have her index toe so her toes would fit into the the Mm. Wow, things we do for fashion. I know. (laughs) Um, So if we're looking at other things in regards to style, apart from what you're wearing, Mm. these other accents that sort of communicate like real style, and that could be someone's politeness or maybe their fragrance or their teeth, all these different things (laughs) Mm -hmm. that, you know, what do you think you can dial up in regards to what leaves a lasting impression in regards to somebody's style? Fragrance, definitely. Fragrance is a big thing. I've noticed, like, if someone walks into a room that I'm in and they smell wonderful, even before you've seen the person, you kind of look around, say, who smells like that? Mm. Accessories Mm -hmm. are very important to Mm -hmm. me. Like, even if they're simple, like a ring or an earrings, I just think they really bring a look together. Mm. Also, the underwear. 
underwear is very nice. very key to a look yeah. i find because an underwear can like make or break a look and mm. change how you feel sure. yes 100 percent so those are my keys and shoes, shoes are so shoes, important shoes 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 very how many pairs of shoes do you have oh my god too many waiting like the other day i was sorting out some clothes trying to get rid of some stuff taking a charity shop and i opened this box and it was just full of shoes and i was like oh my god i totally forgot that i had this <laughs> too many shoes too many shoes because the thing talk is talk us about me, that wardrobe though what's the moment when you go in like what's going on so when you walk into my room like the rails are on the right yes. and then i've got like cupboards in front of you with like the shoes and the bags which i alternate so at the moment it's all like thong straps and strappy heels when do you get the time things. to alternate them where do they go so they could go then into the storage and then into the shed boxes <laughs> with the rest of the winter stuff. I really stuff. can't get my head around that. I literally have everything. All mixed together. All mixed together, all out. Because <laughs> No, but then it's coats together, jackets together, For this sure. together, all the shoes together because otherwise I'm like, oh, I've forgotten about that, I've forgotten about that. But then now I'm moving into a smaller flat and I really don't know what I'm going to do. What I'm going to have to go get seasonal. Storage. Okay. I've yeah. got storage, but I'm going to have to go seasonal. That. Summer Narrow wardrobe. it down. But then also I find that when I do do that and I switch mm. it up, I then find summer pieces that I totally forgot I had. Whereas mm. when I have it all together, mm. I end up just throwing on a jumper with jeans. Like sometimes I'll be like, but you've got that really gorgeous shirt that you haven't seen in yeah. ages and stuff like that. If you're looking into the future, how will Carl evolve, evolve and dress? Like if you imagine a little crystal ball moment and you think over the next maybe 10 years, like what would you imagine that it's going to? I don't know. Somebody asked me this the other day, actually. I don't know. Because really you're pushing know. boundaries constantly. Mm. It's just interesting, that continual expression, For where sure. that will take you to. For sure. I hope I still look exactly the same, to be honest. Mm. I feel now that I'm like happiest the way I look than I've ever been in my life. So hopefully I still look the same, I'd like to hope. They're still nice. pushing boundaries. Yeah. World domination. <laughs> World domination. <laughs> exactly. Global. Literally. Global. One quick question. When you travel, are you a light packer or a heavy packer? Heavy packer. Heavy. I'm always, <laughs> always having to pay extra. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. I'm like, oh. It was so when I went to Ishka recently for the JPG thing, mm. obviously they pay for the flights and yes. it was BA, business. So that was all the luggage I wanted. Exactly. And then I went straight with like the same suitcase to Ibiza and like EasyJet <laughs> were like, uh, this is £60 over. You're going to have to pay £60 extra, please. And yeah. I was like, God, is it just a different life? This it is really my life. is. Yeah, I can't help it. I like options because there's nothing worse than being on holiday. I, I like made that always. mistake yeah. and running out of stuff. And, and you like, get so annoyed. You're like, why didn't I bring that? Why didn't I bring that? 100. I'm the worst. Yeah. I'm like literally like two pieces of hand luggage. The hand luggage has like all the expensive shoes in it just in case they lose my suitcase. Yeah. One outfit just in case they lose my suitcase. <laughs> exactly. I'm very like yeah. ready that they're going to lose my suitcase. Yeah. And then I just like, yeah, everything's overweight. Always. I don't even weigh it. I'm just like... It's Whatever, gonna it's yeah. gonna be overweight. Just, well, just go with the flow. I'd rather have the looks. Like I be for, I took like two suitcases yeah. and like two pieces. How of long were you there for? A week, it's like seven days. <laughs> but there's literally four looks per day. Literally, literally. Especially when you're hot to... and you're sweating as yes. well. It's like switch it up, change it. <laughs> and lots of things to fit into the dance card. We yeah. love you to bits and pieces. Oh, Thank, you so, Thank you so much for joining Thank Personal you. Threads really, and have a lovely really summer. Guessed. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely. I could stay here chatting to you guys all day. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Cardiff. Thank you. Thank you, my love. Thanks so much for listening and please remember, if you enjoyed joining us, you can subscribe so you don't miss the next one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. Personal Threads is brought to you by Ascot Racecourse. The show is hosted by Scott Wimsett and Susan Bender-Whitfield, produced by Little Dot Studios and edited by Content is Queen. <laughs>